It is John Bollock here, not joined tonight by Wei Ting. He strategically took tonight's show off, so he did not get to see an obstacle course. He did not get to see a bald Baron Corbin. He didn't get to see a summit involving ladders. But the man who did, the man stepping up tonight, you know him from Up Next, which you can hear every Thursday here at Post Wrestling alongside Brayden Harrington. He is... Davey Portman, who is on the show. And Davey, uh, I'll start off by apologizing. And B, thank you for joining me tonight. I would not want to talk about this show by myself. No problem at all. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, Well, let's not start off immediately with Raw, because there was a lot going on this past weekend. And I'm curious uh, what you got to see, uh, whether it be uh, New Japan's card, CM Punk's fight. Uh, What did you get to see over the weekend so that we can maybe start off on on a more high note? Sure. Yeah. Um, I saw the, uh, I saw pretty much all of Dominion. Um, there are a couple of matches I haven't seen yet, but I've, I've seen all the, all the main matches. Um, and yeah, thought it was great. Thought that, uh, the main event was awesome. I shed a little tear at the end. Um, but yeah, I didn't see Punk's fight. I was at work for that. So missed that. By the sounds of it, it was atrocious. The, the bar did not carry the, the UFC pay-per-view. We sometimes do. We didn't pick up this one. Um, but yeah, we get we get funny crowds when it's UFC night. So uh, we decided against this one. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Just looking at the uh, the New Japan show, I know you and Braden hold the uh, Andrade Cien almost Johnny Gargano match pretty high when it comes to 2018. Where where did Okada and Omega rank for you uh, for, for best matches you've watched this year? I uh, still that... Uh, uh gargano almas matches top of my list for this mm-hmm. year but this this ranks pretty highly um i like i felt it needed to have that length it sort of felt like a epic movie like lord of the rings is my favorite film and there's something about it being that long that adds to the epicness and it didn't feel like a long match either um but yeah i, I especially love the stuff after the match with the with the bucks coming out and Kenny choosing to give them a hug before even touching the title. I thought that was a really nice moment and just adds the whole storytelling they've been building up over the last year and a half. Yeah, I know a lot of people are just now going to compare all the four matches. And I think the movie analogy is a very good one because I think you can honestly watch match one through four and it plays out as this movie which is why I kind of lean towards this fourth one because it was the climax of the movie and there was so much, so many callbacks. You got the big conclusion at the end of, of Kenny finally realizing this dream of becoming champion and so many little things after the match. Like, yes, you had the reunion. You had that tremendous shot of that lone Okada dollar in front of the empty yeah. arena and even the subtle uh, Kota Bushi staring at the title as they walked to the back. Like there was just so much uh, planted in there for, for like the next movie that is going to come out of this. That I think it's very hard to like rank the matches because one leads into the next, and it really culminated this past weekend. Absolutely, and wrestling's not known for its subtlety, like it's especially WWE. But that there's been so many little nuances within this whole story, and as you said, like the the little touches at the end pushing forward to the future 
like it, they've just built it up so beautifully. This whole thing. Uh, did you watch this with Braden, or how, when when did you no, watch this? I I got home from work as the um, never open weight uh, triple threat match was on, so I watched that and then fell asleep. Uh, and then the next day, I knew like. I had to allow sort of two hours, I felt, for that main event because I, I didn't know how long it was going to go on for. I, I, so, like, I like the differing lives you and I live because you're getting home. <laughs> the never open weight title is happening, like, for those in Canada or at least on the East Coast, that's happening at about, I would say, 4, 4.30 in the morning. And I woke up at 3 a.m. to start <laughs> watching this show. So that is uh, that is the contrast of the, the sliding doors of post-wrestling, yeah. the different lives we live, Davey. It's quite often as I as I'm walking home from work, my friends from the UK are waking up about to go to work. So often have a nice little chat with them on my walk back. But uh, yeah, so I, I watched it all in a really weird order. So I, I then watched the main event the next day because I knew I only really had time for that. Um, unfortunately, from watching that, I heard like the Jericho result and the junior heavyweight result. And I do like going in not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um so I think then I watched the Jericho match the next day and the junior heavyweight um, and the Bucks. How, how do you feel the, the, the Jericho-Naito match uh, fit in? Because I thought they were in such a difficult spot in between those two matches. And I really enjoyed it being something completely different. It was chaos from the minute before the bell rang, just all around the ring. I, I really liked kind of what they did, um, differentiating themselves from the junior heavyweight and then the Omega Okada match. I agree. And I would assume Jericho has a lot to do with that. Like he's such a smart guy, probably the smartest guy in wrestling um, to know he's that there's no point in the two of them trying to put on a wrestling clinic in between those two matches because you're going to compare. Um, So, yeah, I I thought it fit in. It wasn't my favorite match on the show by any means, but Mm -hmm. I think it uh, it was right how they did it. Um, and very interesting with Jericho going over. Uh, I think that was the right move, actually, because um, I think it opens more doors to more feuds and adds to, I guess, Naito being pissed off with never winning the big one. Yeah, and I think, it, as you said, like it leaves the door open now for, for many ideas with Jericho, and I'm curious when he does come back, um, because he kind of confirmed what I had been thinking for a long time in this interview he did just recently in the UK about like he was offered the chance to do the Cow Palace and he turned down working in Long Beach. And that seems to be the the step he will not take in terms of wrestling a non-WWE match in the United States. So if you take out the Cow Palace, and I really don't assume that Jericho is going to be part of anything in the G1, uh, I, I don't know when he will do his next match. It may not even be until the fall like that uh that could be as long as he's out of this right yeah is it is that when the next i mean cow palace after that is that the next big show after cow palace uh, yeah like well they'll, they'll do the cow palace show and then the g1 will start mid-july that goes for a month i guess he could work like the g1 finals if you want to return yeah. on, that, on that show um and then after that it's like you have your like destruction shows in september king of pro wrestling october yeah, that's kind of what you're looking at for their timeline. It's it's pretty much if you're not in the G1, you're not really figured into much in the summer plans. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting when he comes back because he certainly has the the evil program and who knows uh, beyond that. But it's uh, yeah, it was kind of kept really quiet of like what his what his status is with New Japan. And I think yeah, if he was going to be sticking around, it, it was the right move to put the title on him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I like I just I love this uh, Jericho persona. Um and also not not being in the States for the Cow Palace, he can like blame that he's nuts on the sake over there, I guess, or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to explain being different when in wwe <laughs> yes it, yeah it was uh you know he just he walks out and it's like his performance begins the second he walks out and it's like this guy is putting on like this performance art from the second he walks out till the minute he's done and it's it's really you can see how refreshing it is for him to be out there like when i i interviewed him like a year ago and he was telling me all the stuff that went into the festival of friendship and how you know, he had come up with all these ideas for it. And then the day of the show, Vince isn't there and Hunter is not going for it. He's just, he, he's not sold on it. He thought they should just do a standard attack. And Jericho just fought all day until he finally got his way. And what you got was, you know, arguably the best segment of the year on WWE oh, television. Completely. And you just have to imagine like how frustrating that is that you've got this creative idea and he's got a pretty good track record of creative ideas. Now he's in an environment where it just seems the handcuffs are off and he's been given the lead to just go and however he wants to dictate his programs. Like he's a very valuable commodity there and they trust him to go out there and execute his programs. So that part has to be very refreshing that he's not having to fight for all of his ideas that, you know, at least that existed for a major one in WWE last year. Completely. Yeah. He's, uh, you can tell he's just loving it at the moment. Um, did you listen to his interview with, uh, his like podcast with Omega uh, shortly after the. Um, yeah, yes, I did. Where they're the talking about match. this was where they yeah go over kind of the the whole build up to the match and everything. Yeah, exactly, and it just seems funny, sort of how because uh, they were saying about they had ideas for I think it was Omega's entrance there, and they basically just ran out of time or money or just didn't bother doing it, and right. it's it's funny the contrast between that and WWE where WWE had. Jericho wants to do all this creative stuff and they're just holding them back so much. And, uh, new Japan, you, you, you realize from that how much bigger WWE still is, despite new Japan seeming to be taking over a bit more. You, you realize they're still nowhere near the, the height of WWE. Yeah. So this time around for dominion, he's like, you know what? My entrance face paint. Yeah. <laughs> Something I can t- I can take care of. That's probably absolutely. You know, the being in that situation, it's like you can c- come up with ideas that you can execute yourself and not have to depend on the company. Because you're right, like New Japan, for as as big as they have grown, like they are a, a tiny drop in comparison to the resources that the WWE has, and that's going to be um, their their situation. Yeah. Well, we have a very, very busy week here at, at Post Wrestling, uh, just going over uh, some of the shows this week. As I mentioned, Wei Ting is on a much-deserved uh, vacation this week. Uh, so tonight, we've got Davey with us. Tuesday night, Nate Milton of Keep It 2000 will be joining me to go over SmackDown. Then Wednesday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience. Thursday, it is up next with Braden and Davey. And they'll be going over NXT this week, and I'm sure discussing uh, the TakeOver card uh, quite a lot. Friday is when Way returns because we will have a special on the Post Wrestling Cafe as the two of us will review Captain America Civil War. Have you seen Civil War, Davey? Yeah, I've seen all the Marvel films. Uh, really big fan. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'll be listening to that. Absolutely. Is Civil War uh, among your... I'll say, does it crack your top three? It, it doesn't, actually. Okay. Um, I've We've mentioned on Up Next, a friend of mine calls it Civil Unrest. I didn't, like... It needed casualties. Like, I've read the comic, and and they they're ruthless in the comic in Civil War with 
what they do with um, spoilers, deaths and stuff. But um, I guess they saved it for Infinity War. But I just felt there wasn't enough casualties for it to be a true civil war. Oh, how uh, how much did you enjoy the the Infinity War video before Omega and Okada? Oh, so good. I mean, they I reckon they've probably got someone new in doing all the videos there because that that was awesome. Yeah, that if you have not, even if you've just watched the match but missed the pre-video, like they set the scene for that match so great, it's just tremendous. Um, even if you don't uh, get the Infinity War reference, uh, it's it's outstanding. So do check out the. You really have to watch the entire presentation with the pre-match and the post-match uh, to really get the gist of everything. Um, so anyway, that's Friday. Postwrestlingcafe.com. You can uh, sign up for that so you get the Captain America Civil War review. Uh, early Sunday morning, uh, Davey and Braden will be back. You're going to get a lot of Davey this week uh, because he I will apologize. Be, no, everyone's <laughs> excited for it. It's less of me, which they're cheering. Uh, Davey and Braden will be reviewing uh, Takeover. So that'll be up uh, early Sunday morning. And make sure you subscribe to the Up Next uh, feed so you don't miss that show. And then Sunday night, Wayne and I will be back chatting Money in the Bank. So uh, no, no shortage of shows uh, coming up this week. So let us dive into Raw. And we started it off with the visual of all visuals, Davey. Just eight people just hanging around on eight ladders in the ring. I would love to know what the setup was. Like, if this were real life, what got these eight people onto these eight ladders at this point of time in their lives? Yeah, I was thinking the same. They just look like nerds up there. Like, it's it's thinking all these larger-than-life characters, especially someone like Braun and someone just going, all right, guys, we just need you all to climb up the ladder and just sit there. For yeah, the next let, let's minutes. block it so everyone uh, can be visible on camera. I... This segment is everything I don't like about WWE. Just the way too much. Just the visual alone just took me right out of this. And then we got like the bad jokes between them, the the painfully scripted lines and just everything about this that takes like the star power out of this segment from all eight of these individuals. And they just feel like robots that are being that are just being played around with here on television. Uh, that's what they felt like. Eight mechanical robots in the ring. Uh, Kurt Angle came out. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to... It feels like a bad school play. Just... Yes. Everyone's set there by the teacher and everyone giving their lines and all the, like, childish bickering. It... Yeah, it, it doesn't hype up for the match at all. Yeah, so Kurt Angle comes out and he's putting over the just how big this Money in the Bank ladder match is and how emotionally taxing it can be. And then out walks Constable Baron Corbin, who left his hair backstage. He's completely bald. And they they cut off all of his hair. He is skin bald. And they aired it on a WWE.com exclusive video. I, I don't think that pro wrestling is uh, quantum physics. I couldn't understand this for the life of me, Davey. How this, how if just any babyface on this show could have just done something on this show that ended with Baron getting his head shaved or something. Like, is this that difficult to think about? This became an ex, why? Why did they shave his head? They didn't even explain it in this video. They just, they just did it. Yeah. I, I mean, it does look so much better. I thought his hair was awful, uh, before. It does look better on him, but you're right. It, you could use it, like, to, get someone else over do a hair versus hair or whatever. Um, 
I guess it's to fit this ridiculous character they've just given him. Well, he's bald, and this was his only interaction on this show, uh, which necessitated him being bald, I guess, to match Kurt. So the women took turns cutting promos on one another, and Sasha asked Alexa, what did you injure last week? Because she's faking an injury, and she blanks and guesses it was her shoulder, which Sasha points out, well, you were limping last week. And the jury, I guess, was, uh, or the, the defense rests its case here. Uh, Natalia states that she's been cleared to go on Sunday, brings up her friend Ronda Rousey. Then Kevin Owens piped in, and he worked in a Hard Times reference on this being the uh, the third anniversary of Dusty Rhodes passing. And he's, he wants the briefcase to be raised whenever Braun climbs the ladder because he's taller than everyone, uh, inserting our our Vince Russo way of how can we make a ladder match confusing. Uh, this was turned down. Strowman states he's going to win the match and cash in on Brock Lesnar. And then everyone argues until Alexa screams at the top of her lungs and says that everyone sounds like the real housewives of WWE, to which uh, crickets uh, responded. <laughs> She's picking her mixed match challenge partner, Braun, to win the match, while Sasha's picking her mixed match challenge partner, Finn Balor. And they go back to arguing. Braun roars and says someone is going to get these hands on Sunday. I was ready to get my hands on my remote and just tell Davey that I can't do this show. <laughs> I, I hated this segment, Davey. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, I just, you're, you just had to fill this opening segment in the most painful way possible. I just, I thought the jokes were cringe level. I hated the stupid blocking on the eight ladders. I couldn't understand why Baron Corbin had lost his hair on, on the website. I was just <laughs> shaking my head here. So this was a complete write-off segment for me. Total Bellas this Sunday. John Cena is inviting Nikki for dinner. And we got about 18,000 promos uh, plugging this big dinner on Sunday, which I guess is going head-to-head with Money in the Bank. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. Big decisions uh, to make. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I'll have to watch uh, Total Bellas and record Money in the Bank then. How do you feel about the time for Money in the Bank? The kickoff will be sh- we be starting at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, which I guess is a fairly skippable hour. And then you're getting the Money in the Bank show at 7 Eastern time. Uh, to be honest, I, I'm usually working when they're on, so it's not going to make a huge amount of difference to me. Um, it's, I mean, they're, they're insistent on keeping these, what, four-hour shows now, so... I guess it's better they're finishing earlier than going on late, but it's the thing is I've got no problem with watching a four hour show if they fill it with quality. I like I was watching the Dominion show. Like how long did that end up? Five hours? That was that was about five and a half hours all told. And I started that at three in the morning and I was when when I started that show with WH, we started recording at about eight in the morning or something. I was totally wired. Like I was so uh, awake by the end of that show. And yeah, uh, I had no issue with, with Dominion on, on Sunday. Yeah. And then, so a four hour show should be easy enough to do. You would think with all the talent they've got, but you, you know, going into it already, it's, it's going to be a slog. There are so many matches that just don't care about at all. Um, I mean, at least with money in the bank, there's, there's always the, it's less predictable and there's always sort of the, the excitement of will there be a cash in on the night or whatever to keep your interest. But 
like the tag matches i just have no interest for at all um gender roman it yeah yeah it's just so much filler like i i don't have any uh concern that that the latter matches are probably going to be you know pretty hot matches like i think the men's match should be excellent and i think the women's match will be laid out very well i think it's I think it'll be laid out very well and it'll be a very strong match. You should get a pretty good match with the last man standing. It's the length of the show and all the other matches that you just listed off. Like this is, I think there's 11 matches on this card and there's going to be a lot of drag on that show. Um, but we will see. Uh, so we had our first of two four way matches, uh, Alexa bliss, Ember moon, Sasha banks, and Natalia. And after teasing the injuries last week to Alexa bliss and Natalia, it almost felt like they just didn't have any really plausible way out of it. So Alexa Bliss was just, she was fine. And Natalia did work her knee injury throughout this match. So I guess the, the story is she is going in hurt, uh, to money in the bank. Uh, Bliss faked her hamstring injury going to the floor early on. Jonathan Coachman stated that the word of the hour is confidence. Yes. I, I love these words of the hour. Um, yes. I need to keep a list every week because they're, very insightful. Uh, Sasha and Natalia, they were left alone. She, uh, Banks was fighting off the sharpshooter and then was almost punching from uh, like the guard position like she would see on Punk here. Uh, Sasha then hit this somersault off the turnbuckle and just crashed onto the floor onto Natalia and almost came up short, uh, took down Natalia. And then Sasha gets up and was nearly murdered with this suicide dive as Banks the back of her head just smashed into this barricade and they showed this replay. Sasha looked like a crash test dummy that was just demonstrating what happens during like drinking and driving to the passenger. That's what this looked like. It looked like one of those demonstration videos you see. I, I worry about her so much. Every, oh my God. every big match, she just looks like she just folds in half and I, I worry a lot, especially I, even that uh, senton she did. It was kind of out of shot, so you didn't quite see it. But yeah, two two pretty nasty spots, one after another. Uh, they went through a commercial break. Uh, Bliss was working over the left knee of Natalia for a long time until Sasha came back. Uh, then we had a, a code red by Bliss, which was stopped by the Meteora from Sasha. Then we had like this weird, we went to a commercial break, but we were back in a minute, and then they went to another commercial break. There were many, many commercials in this particular match. Uh, Banks got the bank statement onto Bliss. Natalia broke that up. She was going for the sharpshooter. Moon broke it up, hit the eclipse to Natalia, and then Alexa tossed her to the floor, and Moon is sent into the steps. Bliss returns, goes to steal the pin. Sasha makes the save, and it ends with Natalia finally clearing the ring, save for Alexa, who she applies the sharpshooter onto, and Alexa taps out. 20 minutes and 33 seconds uh, this four-way went. Uh, so a lot of time dedicated to the women. Natalia wins. And what did you think of the four-way, Davey? I enjoyed it, actually. Um, I think it's given confidence that their Sunday match should be good. I think it was well laid out. Uh, I especially liked the Natty Sasha Ember kind of three-way bit early on in the match. Um, I normally assume whoever wins these matches are not going to win at the pay-per-view, but uh, the women I can't quite predict. Well, I either I can't really predict, but I don't think it's as clear who what direction they're going to go. Yeah, I mean, just just think of this four-way, and they'll also be uh, enhanced by the addition of Lana into this whole mix <laughs> as well. So you have that to look forward to on Sunday. 
Finn Balor was in the back and he's approached by Kevin Owens who offers him olives because he doesn't have an olive branch. Uh, so he just has actual olives. I, I can break down the world into two sets of people, those that like olives and those that don't like olives. Davey, which do you fall under? I, I do like olives. Oh boy. I do like olives a lot. I had them in my Caesars today, which were very nice. Wow, you and I are just, we, we've come from different worlds. I hate yeah. olives. I just hate them. I hated even looking at them here in this segment that <laughs> if I was Finn, I would have like knocked them away or just left the room. Uh, he proposes an alliance to Finn and tells him to just forget about last week where I tried to murder you. And he brings up that both are former Universal Champions that never got rematches afterward. And if Braun wins the title, they both know Finn can't beat him. Owen says, I can, but it would be very taxing. So they suggest working with Bobby Roode to take out Braun and make it every man against the monster tonight. And Finn is left to ponder this suggestion of teaming with Owens and Roode for this alliance for our four-way later on in the evening. Uh, Breezango came out and Tyler Breeze has grown a beard. Yeah. Yeah. Less, uh, less Prince pretty now, I guess. Yes. I guess he's going for something here. Uh, maybe anything, uh, that will connect. Uh, they took on Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre and they just beat the hell out of Tyler Breeze. There was no reaction from this audience. Breeze had an integrated Ziggler, tagged in Fandango to no reaction. And then Ziggler distracted. Fandango got crotched on the turnbuckle. And then Drew took Tyler Breeze and powerbombed him onto Fandango's back, which looked lovely. And then Z- uh, Ziggler did the super kick. And then we had our Claymore zigzag combo, pinning Fandango. And then Breezango just had to play dead for about five minutes as Dolphin Drew cut their promos about last week's Battle Royal loss being a fluke. And... This is your future, they announced to the rest of the tag team, pointing to Brizongo, and they are going to literally save this division by taking every other team out. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to Drew doing more. I'm so over Dolph Ziggler, but at least they got rid of the scratch sound, if you noticed. Um, that was that was pleasing for me. Yeah, I almost wonder why they were even in that battle royal last week yeah it was like, I, th- I don't get it this is a team that does have like some steam as opposed to all the other punchlines in this tag team division like that's what the tag division is uh that you almost didn't even need these two to be involved last week they're not on the pay-per-view they're just kind of on an island at this point they don't even need to be um all that involved at least for this pay-per-view cycle yeah i mean i'd have said had they been together longer and maybe had a tag run it would have been to build dissension between the two um, because there was a look from, I think it was Dolph that got eliminated and Drew sort of gave him a look, but it, it's too early to split them at this point. I assume they'll, uh, be going for the tag titles soon enough. Yeah. Can, um, can, maybe that's where Omega and Kota Ibushi got their idea for that look at the title. I mean, they're, yeah. <laughs> you know, Ziggler and McIntyre, they've been together a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Let's tease the dissension now. So after that, Charlie interviewed Roman Reigns backstage, and he is not surprised that Jinder Mahal challenged him because he's an idiot. And he blames Jinder for not being in the Money in the Bank ladder match. He brings up the universal title being legitimately mine, and Jinder has earned an ass whooping. So he's going to deliver a receipt. And he emphasized that they are going to have their match tonight, and then they will get another match out of them on Sunday. Yippee. How lucky are we? 
Uh, got a SmackDown promo. Tuesday night, it'll be Shinsuke Nakamura against Jeff Hardy, Daniel Bryan against Shelton Benjamin, and the Women's Summit involving the four women in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I can only imagine uh, that they will have their own uh, seating apparatus uh, via a ladder for all of them to be uh, properly seated at the summit. Then they brought up uh, Brock Lesnar, uh, surpassing uh, the man who will not be mentioned's uh, title reign. It was day 435 of Brock Lesnar's reign on on uh, Monday. So he has surpassed CM Punk and is the longest reigning world champion since Hulk Hogan, which what a coincidence that this was this coincided with CM Punk after the last week. Yeah, yeah. And how many defenses has he had compared to Punk did? I think someone actually put up a graphic. Lesnar has had 10, t- oh, really? 10 title defenses, and I think Punk, it was in the hundreds or something like that. Jeez. So a bit of a disparity. Yeah, I, I mean, it was obvious they were going to do this. I think as soon as um, as soon as soon Reigns didn't win at Mania, I thought, well, they're going to... They like um, wiping out history, don't they? With guys they don't like. Do you think there's going to be a heavy um, contingent of CM Punk chants on Sunday? Or even uh, Saturday at TakeOver, given... He's been all over the news, and they're in Chicago this weekend. I I don't think there will be a takeover just because Chicago is a real big wrestling um, city, and uh, I think they'll respect everything going on. I think Roman Jinder is the prime target for a lot of CM Punk chants. Um, I wonder if they're going to have, like, like Steph sh- shut it down in the past, hasn't she, with a witty line. I wonder if they're going to sort of queue up anyone to have something prepared. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be pretty loud, especially in that Roman match. Yeah, I think if that roman Jinder Mahal match goes longer than two minutes, it's a mistake. They are yeah. just asking for problems in that match. That should be Roman just running through the guy, uh, especially on a show like this long that could use a match that is uh, unexpectedly short, and that would be the one I would isolate. Absolutely. Uh, so that sets up Jinder coming out with Sunil Singh. And he thinks that Roman will be out of breath and unable to keep up with him on Sunday. He's going to be defeated and exposed. So Roman came out, and the match is about to begin when Jinder gets on the microphone and says that Reigns failures are clouding his judgment, and then informs him he's going to be taking on another great Indian that stands above all competition, the great Sunil Singh. And I've got to say, this tease for the great Kali was well executed by Jinder Mahal. Yeah, absolutely. Although I'm not quite sure how many people would really get that excited about seeing Carly return, but yeah, he he delivered it well. I I have a I would definitely prefer to see Roman Reigns against the Great Carly just for the spectacle of what it would be on Sunday than him and Jinder Mahal. <laughs> like, can you just imagine, uh, like trying to just hit his Superman punches and Carly awkwardly stumbling around? I mean, it would I, I would take great. A perverse pleasure in watching that match. Yeah. I doubt he could even take a spear at this point either. Oh, God. It would be <laughs> such a difficult match. <laughs> I do want I to wanna see, see now. it now. <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns and Sunil Singh, it was very brief. It was a minute 13, Superman punch, spear, uh, and it just set up Jinder attacking Sunil from behind with the Coloss. And then as Jinder is going up the ramp with Sunil, there was a Jinder Ico Pro sign on the ramp. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, that was uh, that was maybe the high point of this uh, this segment. <laughs> I will say, I thought Sunil Singh was pretty great uh, selling his his uh, 
reaction to Jinder throwing him to the, the wolf here. And it was short. I think people went into this with the mindset, my God, we're going to get one of those never-ending matches, and then they're going to come back with it again on Sunday. So maybe some some pleasantly surprised people watching this that they got something short. And yeah, kind of just a quick angle to set up Sunday's match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has to be over soon. I I think it's just a placeholder for Roman at the moment. But what do you do with Roman yeah. after Sunday? Like once Money in the Bank is gone, you're now setting up the summer programs. Like where where do you see Roman going? Is this ultimately him and Brock again at SummerSlam? Like what do you see keeping Roman I think busy? It could be, um, I guess you could do a like a number one. Con- what what pay per views after Money in the Bank? They have Extreme Rules in July, and that's uh, the last one before SummerSlam. I can see them doing a sort of four-way number one contender match or something like that that right. sets up Roman for Brock again at SummerSlam. That's your pick for the, the SummerSlam title match? I, I don't think Brock's going to defend before then. Um, yeah. I can't I can't see there being anything else, really. Um, I mean, I don't really want to see it again. I, I really liked their first match at 31, but it just I've had zero interest in it since. Yeah, I, I like that match a lot too. So I was kind of more optimistic than most going into this year's Mania. And it was just, I mean, it just fell right on its face. And I I see that being the same situation. Like if this is SummerSlam at the Barclays Center, good luck. Uh, the B team took on Heath Slater and Rhino. Uh, and we had a Rhino made this t-shirt that Heath Slater was wearing. So we're just going to get a lot of like shitty homemade t-shirts as the new merchandise line it seems like for all these geek tag teams yeah i found it a weird match today debut that shirt in considering that is the b team's gimmick we also have a big sponsor on board davy it is the golden corral and they had a moment that sizzles a video package recapping the big battle royal win by the b team last week uh, have you ever gone to the golden corral i have actually yeah um I went uh, when I was a kid and went to Disney with my family. I I went and really liked it, and then I went again in Orlando for uh, for WrestleMania, and it it wasn't as nice as I remembered. <laughs> yeah, I went with Way this past uh, in New Orleans this year for WrestleMania, and it was in between uh, WrestleCon shows, and so we go to the Golden Corral, and I guess it's where most of the people uh, were going. So we had. We're, we're lining up for food and we're in this area where John Cena's dad is there and Hardcore Holly is just randomly, well, I guess not so randomly eating at the Golden Corral. So that's my only memory of being starving and eating at the Golden Corral by John Cena Sr. and Bob Holly. I do have a strong uh, memory as a kid of going and seeing this, this big guy load up his plate with rice, three steaks, ice cream and syrup. All on the same plate. Does and he I know like, how a buffet works? You can go back. Yeah. <laughs> you can pace yourself. Steaks well, with, with ice cream combined. Steaks, That's ice just, and and oh. had about three steaks stacked. It was it was crazy. And I was like, wow, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like you went to a steak and shake and you really love this marriage. <laughs> uh, do you remember what the word was for hour number two from Jonathan Coachman? Um, potential. And was it met? Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, This match went a minute 48. Axel and Dallas hit a double-team neckbreaker to Heath Slater, and they pinned him. And 
Then we had Bray and Matt Hardy on the screen applauding their victory. And then they transported to the top of the ramp from backstage. Just amazing. They noted that they are surrounded by the fireflies. Bray says that their insides are burning like the river sticks. And that burning is fear. And he put it there to remind them both that you bought the ticket and now you're going to have to take the ride. Just way too many analogies that added up to a very hollow threat. Matt called them obnoxious ants and they will eat them and delete them when this is over. This was a fine buildup, wasn't it? I, yeah, I just zone out whenever I, I kind of zoned out with you recapping it as well. I, it's just gibberish. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a shame. Like I thought the Matt Hardy thing, like, had so much potential but it's just the same old nonsense with him and bray is it so weird to you to watch you know this character that's just i mean it's not a a tenth of what they had in impact and conversely like they aired this promo on the show for the next uh, wwe 24 that's gonna air sunday after money in the bank focusing on the hardys and they're gonna go cover like their their drug issues and the arrests and all of this stuff. It's like, man, this this looks really compelling. What they're going to have on Sunday, and it's just such a weird disconnect they have from these real people that are very compelling figures, and yet as these characters, I I could not care less presently about Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy as as characters on this show. No, I, I I've been that way for Bray for years now as well. Just. Yeah, they they took something they they were fighting for that broken gimmick for so long and like why they they had zero planned with it and it's just uh like I I don't watch TNA but I I have seen um I have seen all the broken hardy stuff and it's it's just a shadow of what it was. So that is our our raw tag title match for Sunday. I would presume that ends up on the kickoff, but who knows. Uh, then they recapped Elias pinning Seth Rollins last week, and they cut to him in the back, and he insults Arkansas by calling them hillbillies. And after the break, he's in the ring and starts running down Seth Rollins. He insults him, saying he's a tool because he does CrossFit, and he's a disgrace to Monday Night Raw, calls uh, North Little Rock a toilet bowl, and then he reveals a custom guitar that has been airbrushed with the Intercontinental title on it, and it was a gift to him from... Uh, uh, I guess news to him, uh, hip hop sensation, John Mayer. <laughs> oh God. When he said, I mean, I don't, if you, if you listen to up next, you know, I, I'm not a hip hop, hip hop guy. Like that's Braden's territory, but not I know John Mayer's not hip hop. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Like an all time coachism. Uh, we'll and explain. Even, like, even if you don't know who John Mayer is it's an acoustic guitar what <laughs> hip-hop artist do you know that play an acoustic guitar oh it was like he didn't give him like a like a mixing board or like anything that would really yes associate one with a hip-hop artist uh, John Mayer um, so he gets attacked by Seth and then Seth is left in the ring he insults Elias he calls him a coward and then he takes the custom guitar that's been left in the ring, and first he teases auction, auctioning it off, then lays it down, and Elias is just selling this like it is the greatest possession he owns, and it's being threatened. And Rollins just built this crowd up and up, and 
Finally, he stomps it after the audience chanted, burn it down. And this is where Coach says that the guitar was from one of the great hip-hop artists, John Mayer, (laughs) to which Graves, who never lets this guy get by with a thing, says, John Mayer is not a hip-hop artist. And Coach says, John Mayer, Jay-Z, same thing. And Graves just ends it by saying, nobody said anything about Jay-Z. Uh, I don't know what coach is on, ever. <laughs> He's on Raw, which is crazy. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I I don't believe- understand. Like, is this... Like, I listen to him and I wonder at times, is this guy even paying attention to the show? Is this, like, this weird character that they have crafted for this guy to just be the buffoon? I don't know what I listen to when I hear him, but it's awful like it's because he was i don't remember him being this bad before like i was never a huge fan of his but no he was dull but he was like he got the job he done. Made like sense, he could put though yeah he was never like this out of it like he just seems like he has no clue what is happening at least booker seems wacky do you know what i mean so he when he says it's nonsense you're just like that's just booker he's a bit crazy whereas coachman like oh it's awful it's terrible um, I, I was actually really upset. He stamped on this, uh, Seth stamped on this guitar. I thought it was gorgeous. And there was a lady in the audience at one point who was sort of, she was doing what I was doing. I was like, no, come on. That's, that's nice. That's a nice guitar. You're not going to wreck that. Um, but I think this was the most awake the crowd had been, uh, all night. They're both, uh, both these guys are really over at the moment. I think Elias is so good with all his, um all his promos and i liked he wasn't um he wasn't selling it over the top he just looked genuinely upset and worried it wasn't that usual wwe just over the top screaming and no um i i thought he played it awesomely here i i think that especially if this match goes on relatively early on the show i think these guys are going to be this audience is going to be so hot for this match I think that Rollins is the the best candidate to get the best match possible out of Elias that I think this is going to turn out really well. And I would make my pick that if there's going to be some some dig at Punk, it comes from Elias just working it into his bit at the beginning, telling them that Punk is dead and can just use it under the guise of his musical tastes or something like that that just sets the audience off. Um I, I'm pretty optimistic about this match uh, working, uh, given Elias's limitations. I think he's in there with the best guy, and the crowd will definitely help. To your point, they're they're extremely over these two. Yeah, uh, yeah, I am actually looking forward to this one. I I think you're right. I think this could be Elias's best match so far. Do you think that they put the title on Elias on Sunday? I think you could because I think. I mean, we were saying maybe Roman at SummerSlam. Seth is like Seth's doing the best work at the moment on Raw, yep. so that that is an option you could go with. Um, Seth would be Brock at SummerSlam. Um, I'd want to see that. I mean, we we had it a while ago when Seth was a heel, but it would be much better with Seth as a face, sort of not playing the chicken shit and going for it. I think that could be a really good match. I can definitely see them doing your idea of the, the, the four-way idea at Extreme Rules, and you take the title off Seth, you have him in the match with Roman, and then you add two others, whether whether it be Braun, whether it be Finn or Owens, uh, something like that. I, I could definitely see that being their idea for 
you know, your chaotic, no rules, four-way match, and then the winner takes on Brock at SummerSlam. So Owens approaches Bobby Roode, who's in front of a mirror, and Owens says that we know that Roode can't beat up Braun on his own. None of them can. But if they work together tonight, they can take out Braun, and Roode is left to think about this big offer. And then they show Bailey coming to the ring, and we cut to the back, and the riot squad is rioting backstage. They throw all these belongings onto the floor, and then they walk up to this guy, and they cut his damn tie. <laughs> They're so fucking extreme, these oh, guys. My God. This is... uh <laughs> Save this for the third hour. This was just too, too much. This poor man. So, uh, Bailey and Ruby Riot had a fairly lengthy match here. Uh, Riot went to the floor and Bailey was going to do this sliding drop kick under the bottom turnbuckle. That's what she wanted to do. The canvas had different plans. This did not look well. Uh, and then she just nailed Ruby down on the floor. They went to a commercial break. At a, a point in this match, Cole brings up that Bailey is building momentum in this match. And I swear to God that this particular episode of Raw had to have been the new record for momentum mentions on this show. It had to have been in the double digits. I don't know if you noticed this, but that's like my buzzword I hear on this show that I get like a nervous tick now when I hear any of them I, say the word momentum. And this week, my head was spinning. Uh, I'm the same. Yeah, it's – and you know it's like everything in WWE is branding and and you know it's a very deliberate thing being like you must say about the momentum must say about the momentum it's and it's oh it's so tiring to listen to yeah it was just out of control tonight and it was uh, this match i was just like my god like do you even listen to yourselves it was just so much tonight um, and momentum for what she's not even doing anything at money in the bank it's neither of these two are they're no. just they're just having a match on raw to build momentum to sit backstage on Sunday in their gear. Bailey fought back after being driven into the turnbuckle with the double knees. She missed with a top rope elbow drop. Riot went for a bunch of covers. Bailey selling her right arm and then gets sent shoulder first into the post after distractions from Logan and Morgan and Riot hit the Riot kick for the win at 11 minutes, 31 seconds. And then they hold Bailey as Ruby takes out a marker and starts drawing on her face and prints an R on her stomach. Uh, NWO, this was not. No, no. <laughs> and I was makeup as well. It's like, that's going to come off pretty easily. Yes. This has come a long way from, uh, from Ivory, uh, writing a unmentionable word onto Tori's, uh, stomach yeah. back in, uh, 1999. So they have that. So yeah, boy, the, the this riot squad is just out of control here. <laughs> Yeah, I think we need to see them just, like, set fire to the locker room or something. Come on, like, just ripping up paper and cutting fire, people's eyes off. Or, yeah. Yeah, like it's... Someone's been yeah. shot backstage. <laughs> just go like, crazy. Just go fucking crazy, yeah. Yeah, or maybe they could go really crazy and demand, like, uh, employee rights or something to the Kurt Angle. <laughs> Be like, this independent contractor shit is not going to fly in 2018, Kurt. Yeah. Rhonda's backstage and Natalia comes in and hugs her and tells Rhonda not to take her eyes off Nia Jax. Be like, Natalia, it's a face to face. I have no other option. I have to keep my eyes on her. And then, uh, Jonathan Coachman was in charge of, uh, handling the face to face segment. And 
Are you familiar with uh, Jonathan Coachman's uh, assessment of Ronda Rousey after she lost her fight to Amanda Nunez? Yes. Didn't he say something about uh, Vince would never take her after losing? Um, she's like worthless now, essentially. Yeah. So he tweeted this out after uh, Ronda's second loss and said basically to the effect that the WWE will never bring Ronda Rousey into the WWE. And this was before he had gone back there. He said, here, I have the tweeter. It will never happen. They, being the WWE, are not in the business of bringing in a broken star and rebuilding her. And I will never not think of these tweets when Coachman uh, does segments with Ronda Rousey. And I can't imagine that Ronda Rousey is not aware of these tweets and would probably hold a grudge. Yeah, I would think so. But if she just listens to his commentary once, she she shouldn't take it to heart because nothing he says makes sense. Yeah, so uh, Jonathan Coachman was uh, uh, in charge here of uh, interviewing the, the rap duo Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. And <laughs> they promoted that Ronda will be going into the UFC Hall of Fame next month as she comes out, followed by Nia. Nia says that the two of them are competitive athletes and things are going to be tense between them. And she has purposely pushed Ronda's buttons to see how she would react and noted her following and stellar reputation. But is, she is still very new to the WWE, and her success was elsewhere in Strike Force and UFC. So there you go. Uh, Strike Force reference uh, probably for the first time since Tito Santana and Rick Martel. And then she goes over what is allowed in the WWE that is not in the UFC. And she went through like the unified rules here that here in WWE, we can headbutt. I can deliver knees to a grounded opponent strikes to the spine and 12 to six elbows. So this is just absolute, uh, just the barbaric WWE here and what they allow. Rhonda responds stating she is an improviser and she's going to improvise Naya's arm off. Naya comes back saying that Rhonda beat a part-time businesswoman in Stephanie McMahon at, at WrestleMania. She's been here years grinding. You want to take my arm come Sunday? How about I take your reputation? And they're going to call me the baddest woman on the planet. And she's going to beat Rhonda because she just isn't ready. And Rhonda laughs this off, gets up, and says they told her she wouldn't be ready to make the Olympics when she was 17. She wasn't ready for the Strike Force title after four pro fights, which was true at the time. And they said she wasn't ready to headline her card. And she broke attendance and pay-per-view records, which was a bit of a stretch. And wasn't ready to be UFC champion which was definitely not the case because she entered the promotion as champion. And now she's going into the Hall of Fame and then yelled, I am Ronda Rousey, and I was born ready. And the segment ended with Nia throwing a punch. Ronda stopped her with an underhook and then was headbutted by Nia. And Ronda comes out of nowhere with a flying armbar. Nia's got her hands clasped, but then has to give up. And she taps. She taps out. And for whatever reason, the timekeeper rang the bell here like this was the end of a match. And that's how the segment ended. So a lot here. Um, first of all, you know, we had talked about this last week that um, kind of the idea of this whole program was not to turn Nia heel. It was just to have tension to this match. And they had felt like Nia had probably gone a bit too far two weeks ago. And last week was kind of bringing her back to, you know, a pseudo babyface role. And that's certainly the sense I got in this segment, Davey, was that, they're going into this as rivals, but they very much want both of these two to be babyfaces after Sunday is the impression I've got here. But um, 
Yeah. What did you think first of just the, the speaking before we got to the, the physical part of this segment? Some bits were better than others. I, I did quite like the um, take your reputation line. I thought that was a good line from Naya. Um, the uh, I am Ronda Rousey and I was born ready was definitely one of those, uh, you know, way video package moments where they pause and say it and they're going to cut it. And we're going to see that as the last line for their video package on Sunday. Good call. Um, I'm, I, I still think, think, uh, Naya's too heelish here. Like, um, I feel it would be much better her saying she's challenged Ronda because she's achieved all these things mm-hmm. and therefore it elevates her in beating her. She wants the best competition Rather than all this, oh, you, it was only Stephanie McMahon who you beat, and you're not ready here. I think they're, they're more heelish lines. And also just tapping at the end, I think it's, it's more of a heel move. I think you should save that for Sunday. And I think in her tapping tonight, maybe uh, she's not going to lose against Ronda on Sunday. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the tap, regardless of whether Ronda's winning or not on Sunday. I just, I just thought it was like way too early to do it. And it's like the whole story of the match that you had been building up for weeks was, can Ronda apply the armbar onto her because she's so big? And if you're going to get invested in that story, I don't know why they gave you the answer on the go home show. Uh, I thought that was like the whole story of the match for Sunday. Um, so I, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, I don't know. I thought part of this segment, too, it was like not so much Naya. Uh, I didn't know if either one of them came off as all that much of a baby face, to be honest. Like, I thought even Ronda at times, like, didn't quite have the the audience behind her as other weeks either. So I don't know. I didn't know really how I felt about this by, by the end of it. But uh, I guess where's your interest level for this match on Sunday? Like, this has arguably been the most the most heavily promoted match for Sunday. Yeah, I mean... I- I'm interested to see how they do. Um, I'm. It's pretty low down though, I, and I think it is because of this weird build. Like I don't know who I'm supposed to cheer for. Um, I think the interest level is more on how are they actually going to manage pulling off the match rather right. than uh, rather than the story. I'm like, it's Ronda's first singles match. Nia's still. Uh, I mean, she's improved a lot, but she's she's hardly one of the top women there um, mm-hmm. in ring ability. So I, I'm expecting shenanigans at the end um, with either Natalia or Stephanie um, setting up a SummerSlam match with Ronda. Um, I can't see it being a clean finish. Then we had the, uh, the feature for the Hardys uh, special that's going to be airing after Money in the Bank. And uh, I guess they interviewed Edge and Christian for this as well, among others. And, one line here of Christian that I guess when Matt was going through all his problems, you know, talking to Matt at the time, telling him this is going to end with you dying. And that was like, I guess, the big chilling line here in this uh, feature. So I imagine they're going to go pretty deep into uh, all the issues the two have had over the years. And there was also a, um, a GWN logo. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of impact footage uh, throughout this piece that they are Sunday. I think I think it'll be pretty good. These 24 specials are usually pretty well done. Yeah, I, I usually really like them. I I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. It does look pretty decent. Now, erase your plans Friday night, though, Davey, because we've got Stephanie McMahon on Celebrity Undercover Boss. 
where she is going to transform into Sam, a blogger that is coming to cover the WWE. So I, I've never seen this program. What, what is I. it exactly? Is I it think, she's I, just spying on her employees as someone else? I think that's the the joke is, yes, she undergoes this transformation, like this is Mrs. Doubtfire, and then she just goes around to unassuming colleagues that don't realize it's her, even though, I mean, you look at this outfit, she doesn't look all that different. No. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's funny. I don't know if you've, uh, in one of Chris Jericho's books, he talked about when he got hired to do that game show downfall on ABC. And when he went to Vince McMahon, they had this gigantic fight over Jericho doing this show because it was on another network and Jericho was ready to quit the company over it. And it was really heated between these two. And it ended up with Jericho being able to do the show, but they never promoted it on WWE. And here, like nothing, Stephanie's going on another network and cool. Check this out. It's just kind of funny to see that. I mean, they're definitely any exposure they get now. They just take, don't they? Um, literally anything so i yeah well it's like nikki nikki bella on dancing with the stars they didn't really promote that all that heavily i mean that that was also monday nights going up that went head to head didn't it yeah Yeah. so next up was no way jose versus kurt hawkins in the will you stay tuned test of the night uh so we had uh the conga line and It'll be funny to look back at some of these conga lines, Davey, uh, in two years and see how many of them are like prominently featured on NXT and stuff and how they started out on I was thinking the same. Line. Like, who is the Braun Strowman of this <laughs> conga yes. line? Yes. So Kurt Hawkins doesn't come out. The referee rings the bell and starts counting him out. And Hawkins has infiltrated the conga line in a disguise and gets a roll up on Jose who kicks out and then does the pop-up punch and pins Kurt Hawkins in 29 seconds to keep the losing streak going. I I feel they're probably saving this for an upset at some point in a big feud, a, like a baby face again, like whoever's the big dickhead heel at the time. And Kurt Hawkins gets a, like, you know, when hurricane beat the rock, uh, that Brock's, time the Brock's rock. final night before he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But I, I have zero interest in this. Yeah, this was just, it was just there. Um, yeah. Balor, Balor met up with Rude and Balor. Or, sorry, he met up with Rude and Owens backstage. They don't trust him, Owens. Uh, but Rude suggests that they keep an eye on him. And Balor says, I'll keep one eye on Owens and one eye on you. And he just walks off. I was just I at the edge of my seat, Davey, over this, this master plan. <laughs> wow, this is uh, this is designed to keep me for three hours. See if this plan gets pulled off. And then they announced that we are setting up the obstacle course. This is where I had I, I felt bad. I was like, my god, Davey's gonna hate me after this. <laughs> it's like, what the what are we doing here? They are setting up an obstacle course that Sami Zayn has designed for Bobby Lashley, and it's gonna be hosted by Renee Young. And Michael Cole just subtly notes that this has been a very strange rivalry that has developed. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> Zane comes out and he says last week he questioned if Lashley was actually in the army. And he did that thing where he paused expecting to get all these boos for bringing up the army. I swear to God, there were two people in this goddamn arena that booed. 
And Zayn just went with it. Yeah, boo, boo. It was like two people that booed. They did not give a fuck what was going on here. He goes through the obstacle course and explains all of it and how all the muscle that Lashley carries is going to wear him down compared to his cat-like agility. There was a wall jump that he called the Three Sisters Wall Jump that is named after Bobby's sisters. And Zane notes that the Green Berets can do this obstacle course in about two minutes. He did it this afternoon in about a minute without warming up. And he says he will dedicate his win to the country with the greater military force, Canada. Wait. Anyway, all of Arkansas booing uh, Canada, Davey. Just disgusting. Disgusting. This xenophobic nature here that Sami Zayn is using here for heel heat. It's just disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. And on a side note, I got my visa extended today. So I'm in this beautiful country for another year. So fuck you, Arkansas, for booing Canada. U.S. (laughs) and Canada, we're at some, you know, loggerheads right now when it comes to our, our relationship. So then they brought out Bobby and they had a coin toss and Bobby's going to go first. And they have this timer up on the screen with a photo of Sergeant Slaughter. And then Lashley starts. And listen, this has been a god awful segment up until this part. The positive here is that watching Bobby Lashley do athletic stuff is how you will get this guy over. Cause dude, he just looked incredible here. Yeah. It was very impressive. Holy like, even Christ. just how fast he could crawl under that thing. I was like, oh, damn. He flipped this tire. Then he did the wall crawl, uh, the monkey bars. And then he's climbing up the rope, which, uh, uh, listen, I hated this goddamn thing in gym class. I could never do this thing. So to why I w- I'm in awe at anyone who can climb this rope because it was the bane of my existence in grade seven gym class. And then Zane attacked him, hit him with the haluva kick, and we got a USA chant at the end. So... As much as I can dump on this segment, by the end, uh, the audience got into this, um, cheering for Lashley, or at least for USA. They were approving of the country of origin here. And yeah, I I don't know what to make of this. This was a a segment that was dying a death up until Lashley started doing all this cool stuff. I I feel so sorry for Sami Zayn, because I I think... He's trying like, really all hard. This regi- he, he's really good. Like his, I think his delivery is great with all this nonsense he's being given. I, I still find him um, pretty magnetic to watch. He really does draw you in. It's just bullshit. Everything he's doing in this rude, uh, not rude, um, Lashley feud. Yeah, it's... Um, and I, I don't know enough about Bobby Lashley. I, as I said, I didn't really watch TNA at all. I, uh, he was in WWE when I was on my like hiatus from it. So it, he just seems like this, this big kid. Uh, like, I don't know what to think of this guy. And as you said, this obstacle course was actually the best thing I've seen him do since coming back. So, yeah, um, this feud continues and we'll get a match on Sunday. Owens is going over strategy with Rude and Balor. Balor says they haven't agreed to anything yet, and Braun enters and just suggests they all team up on him, and he roars. And that was it. Four-way to end the show. Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, Bobby Rude, and Kevin Owens. Uh, Braun cleared the ring, and then they all ganged up on Braun, three-on-one. Braun chases Owens to the back. They return on the stage. He lays out Balor and Rude with punches. Um, 
they, they would give Finn like a bit of shine at the end of this match, but I thought in particular early on where Braun was just killing these three that it really, to me, just made Balor look very ineffective for the role he has. I think it's one thing when you have the cowardly heel and Owens and even Rude, who's kind of going the heel direction now, but for Balor to be, you know, you've got the numbers advantage on this guy and you're all failing. Like you're just the putty patrol here. Uh, I just didn't like having Finn be part of this early on. Um, they made their way up to the announcer's desk and they were able to get Braun onto the desk, and Owens came off a ladder with a frog splash, putting Braun through the table to set up the commercial break. Uh, this was nuts. Yeah, that looked great, and they they showed the height in the replay. Like, I really, I really like Owens's frog splash. He really gets a nice sort of tuck in at the top, and uh, yeah, looked great. Yeah, and you had this great like low angle camera shot, so it it, it was shot very well. Uh, after the break, they come back, and it's just Rude, Owens, and Balor in the ring, and they're fighting amongst themselves. There was a Tower of Doom spot, and then Braun Strowman comes to life. He gets on his feet. Owens is scared out of his mind, and he starts running for his life. Braun chases after him, brings him back ringside, and then Braun is going to do this sprint that he, you always see him do with the shoulder tackles on the floor, and he was going to run through everybody. So he sprints, and he trips and falls, and the camera was not on him, and he just got up and finished the spot and Cole acknowledged that he lost his balance due to the rib injury. But if you ever wanted to see the difference between someone that is a star in our mind and someone who's a total goof, uh, the difference between Braun Strowman and Titus O'Neil, this was it. They oh, completely, completely protected Braun here as opposed to just losing their shit and replaying it to death. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're completely right. Yeah. Um, I, I could watch Braun Strowman, shoulder tackle kevin owens all day <laughs> he just he sells it so well owens doing that flip is just uh he, he's really gotten that thing over to me yeah uh, they triple team brawn um rude went for the glorious ddt and owens at this point turns on the team tries to school boy rude but only gets a two count this is when balor fights back he hits a sling blade and running drop kick to brawn and you think he's gonna win he hits the coup de gras but then Bobby Roode breaks up the cover, and then Balor was thrown into the post and died. Uh, Roode hit the glorious DDT to Braun. Owens tossed Roode to the floor. There was a frog splash to Braun, kicked out, and then Owens is attacking him with the ladder. Braun stops him, grabs the ladder, choke slams Owens, and then hits a running power slam onto the ladder, pinning Owens. This thing went 26 minutes and 8 seconds. So between the two four-ways, that was 45 minutes of match time. And that's how the show ends. Braun winning in triumphant fashion and Kevin Owens doing a lot in this match. Yeah, I, I think uh, Kevin Owens is probably the star of the show this week. He's um, he's even in that stupid ladder section at the very beginning. He's the only one I believe everything he says. Um, and yeah, that frog splash was great. I, I loved the shoulder tackle. Um, I, I did enjoy this match. I thought it was pretty pretty good match to yeah the four-way was I, I a thought, very long show yeah I, I thought both four ways were, were good for what they were and they took up a lot of the show time so for this week um more of those and less obstacle courses and guys ties being cut i'll take it yeah so um i guess in terms of a go-home show davy setting up money in the bank uh how effective would the, was this show and yeah kind of where where are you at for for money in the bank in terms of your your interest did this show enhance it at all I can't say it did. Um, 
I have more interest in SmackDown tomorrow. I think um, I feel SmackDown, especially for the men, is going to be. Uh, I think the Money in the Bank briefcase is going that way mm-hmm. uh, to SmackDown. Um, but I, I did enjoy both um, both four ways. I think the thing is, I, I know both those matches are going to be great, so it doesn't really. Um, make me any more excited about either one um it's it's more like who is going to get it and they haven't I, I still don't know obviously so it's um the interest level and everything else just hasn't enhanced at all don't care about uh Jinder Reigns I don't care about Lashley Zane um so yeah I mean I watch every pay-per-view so I'm gonna watch it and enjoy it I guess but yeah it was fine <laughs> Well, let us go to the forum, and we'll get some of your feedback. Uh, we asked you, folks, what what would you rank tonight's show from a zero to ten? Where where would you place this one, Davey? I did like both four way matches. Uh, go five point one. Five point one. I, I I'm I've got it right at fifty percent. Three point seven five. Oh, our for, our forum is just they they don't take any shit. So, uh, a tough audience. Uh, let us start off here with Sean from Toronto. Honestly, I have to admit that this episode of Raw hasn't been as bad as things have been lately. Probably the lowest point of the show for me was the ridiculous opening promo with everyone on ladders. I agree, Sean. Which was an accident waiting to happen. Could you imagine if everyone just fell? <laughs> Outstanding. And it would have gone over the, the severity that this match presents. While nothing on the show blew me away, I do think the show, at the very least, did its job as a pay-per-view go-home show. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Let us continue here. Jalen from Pickering. The bar for this show is so low as of late that I'm giving it praise for the simple fact <laughs> that I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> what, a, what a bar. <laughs> Nothing on the show is outright bad, but it's hard to call anything a true highlight either. All I want is a heel Ambrose to return and for us to get to SummerSlam where they might actually put in effort. Four out of ten. That's a very difficult What is man. Ambrose's status at the moment? Is he Is he ready to come back? I don't think he's quite ready yet, but he's got to be pretty close. He's been out since December, so we're coming up on six months now that he's been right. gone. So it's got to be relatively soon, uh, I would imagine, he's back. But I, I haven't heard officially you know, that he's been cleared or anything like that. So, yeah, that should be right around the corner, and that's something that you, you have an option for. And I, I would assume he just comes right back to Raw. I don't imagine they send him off to SmackDown. They really don't need to switch him. And you want to keep that, I think, the shield thing together on Raw. Uh, next one up here. Raw had a couple of moments I enjoyed. The men's fatal four-way was a good main event. Strowman continues to be the guy I want to see face and defeat Brock Lesnar eventually. I also liked, shockingly, the Nia Rousey face-to-face. But there was way too much filler and bad on this show for me to give this anything above a four. Lashley and Zayn need to be kept as far away as possible from each other after Sunday as the obstacle course brought back bad early NXT memories. And thank you for... Thank you, Coach, for reminding us that John Mayer was a hip-hop artist. <laughs> Seriously, I'm for human cloning at this point so we can have Bobby Heenan back. If they can clone sheep, they need to clone the brain. I'd comment on the Reigns Mahal segment, but I missed it, watching two other hated people meeting face-to-face in Singapore. Oh, did you see any of this? Dennis Rodman was all over the news uh, tonight. Oh, no, I know nothing about this. Oh, what God, happened? He, uh, I didn't watch the segment, but apparently he was crying and stuff, and then Donald Trump came out saying that Dennis Rodman was on drugs it's just, dude, the world is insane. It's mm. just insane. Uh, Brandon from Oshawa. Congrats to Davey on his call-up to the main roster. It's well-deserved. <laughs> I didn't no, hate this I, sh- 
Sorry, I was going to say I've been on this show as much as Authors of Pain have been since their call up, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we I, I think we had more of a plan for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, I didn't hate this show, and I'm surprised coming off of Dominion, it wasn't anything amazing, but compared to recent weeks, it was a step up. Owens was tremendous all night. He's clearly the smartest guy on the roster. I thought the obstacle course was passable. I'm glad Zayn didn't run the course and just attacked Lashley afterwards. It was a good heel move, and Zayn is trying his hardest in all of his segments in this feud. I even like Baron Corbin's new hairstyle. There is one thing being a fan of New Japan makes me think, though. It's time for a big stable or a couple in the WWE. New Japan has several stables of guys, and even in their throwaway tag matches, they always have some sort of meaning. I'm not saying WWE should have four or five groups, but when was the last time they had a stable of more than three guys? Nexus? And it didn't last too long. What are your thoughts? Davey, are you pro or anti-stables? Uh, I'm very much pro-stables. I think it it allows for a lot more multiple stories with with interest. It's you go back to the Attitude Era and you'd be interested in just like a, a boss man match just because of the group he was in, that he was in corporation or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm pro stables. I'd be up for a couple. I, I also think that just for, you know, the amount of people that they bring up that it's very difficult for some of the, like you look at SmackDown and there's so many guys on that roster that you can't fit into a two hour show that if you had like a stable, you introduce a guy and it's almost, you get the endorsement of the star that leads the group that that person has that identity. So when you have a perfect scenario, like, like an evolution, it, it helps when you have to introduce someone and it can get them over to the next level and it gives them a connection on the show. Even if they themselves don't have a program, they're linked to, other guys on the show that all have hopefully have programs going on. So it can, it can also just take care of guys rather than they just, they disappear for four weeks and you don't hear from them and they have really nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It, it, it just makes everything a little bit more interesting. You, you, you put a little bit more, um, thought into each character in a stable, I think. Yes. And the final one here. This this is a question. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. Question for John and Davey. Do you think we'll ever see a WWE maternity leave policy? I only ask as I saw Bree's Royal Rumble return advertised for Total Bellas this week. A maternity leave policy. I, do they not have one? I, I would assume that, um, you know, if... Well, in the last year, we've seen... Uh, Brie have a child, Maria Canellis have a child, and you know, they've been given their leave. Yeah. So I don't I, know. I mean, I don't know what the pay situation is, whether, I mean, the whole, their whole con, you, I mean, you mentioned them being independent contractors earlier. Like they, they don't seem to have a lot of rights with their contract, but I imagine they're covered. Well, I'm sure they're getting their downside. And for Brie, yeah. I mean, like merchandise and, you know, other stuff like Total Bellas, um, that they're all being paid for. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the case is for everybody, but you know, typically I, I don't feel they're going to, they're not going to be rushing any of these people back either. So, no. all right, well, there you go. Our most uh, unique question of the night, Chris from <laughs> Melbourne, Australia. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up, everybody. Davey, I want to thank you very much for uh, soldiering through here on your on your Monday night. You could have been doing many things, uh, but you chose to uh, to spend it here with, with all the listeners chatting about uh, a memorable edition of Raw. So I want to thank <laughs> you, first of all. And no worries. Why don't we remind people, what do you have uh, coming up this week? Uh, you're going to be catching up with – you're going to have a lot of time with Braden this week, as, as I imagine you do most weeks. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be doing, uh, we'll be watching NXT late Wednesday night, so expect it early Thursday morning, the uh, up next show. Um, we are going to do a takeover review, so we'll be doing that Sunday morning, because uh, both of us have work on Saturday. Um, and then I believe next week, is it next, or, or the week after they're airing the UK tournament, I know we're going to want to talk about that as well. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of NXT stuff going on soon. So do uh, subscribe to our feed up next. Um, and yeah, because we're going to have a few bonus shows coming up soon. Awesome. So do check that out uh, later this week. And as Davey mentioned, go subscribe to Up Next's own uh, feed. You can get it on wherever you listen to your podcasts and you will be getting uh, two more shows uh, from Davey and Braden uh, coming up this week. I'll be back Tuesday night with Nate Milton as we review SmackDown and all of our other regular shows uh, coming up this week. So you can go check it out, postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we will speak with you later on this week. the great hip-hop artists of our generation. John Mayer is a hip-hop dummy. John Mayer, Jay-Z, same thing. Literally no one mentioned Jay-Z, coach. <laughs>